Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Health Hackers. I'm starting things off a little bit differently to the usual format because I want to give a shout out to this week's episode sponsor, Martin Bell, who runs a consultancy specializing in digital health and health and care IT, the Martin Bell Partnership, has been a loyal supporter of Health Hackers for some time now and he is personally sponsoring this episode. You can find him on LinkedIn or tweeting at martinbell1966 about all things digital health. So thank you very much to Martin, and if you or your business would like to sponsor an episode of Health Hackers, you can get in touch via the website, healthhackers.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Now over to this week's guest interview. Hello everybody, welcome to Health Hackers episode 37. I am joined by a pioneer in women's health and lifestyle technology this week. Tanya Bola is the CEO and founder of Elvi. Now, LV is the company behind the world's first wearable silent breast pump and an app-connected pelvic floor trainer. For the next half an hour or so, we're going to be discussing <laughs> Tanya's knack for taking on taboo issues with technology, and maybe we'll find out what's coming next. Perhaps. She's nodding if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, Tanya, thank you for having me here at one of your bases in London, because the business is really growing now, isn't it? Thank you, Gemma, and great to be here on Health Hackers. Uh, yeah, we're just in a temporary office at the moment as we're, we're growing quite quickly. So I should say, Tanya and I yep. first met a few years ago at a bar core class yep. via a, mu a mutual friend, Emma Sinclair, hello, if you're listening or watching. And then coincidentally, I think it was a few weeks later, I can't remember the exact date, but you then won an award the award yeah. of the night at a <laughs> which you were presenting at a yeah. women in technology uh, award ceremony that I was presenting, and then our paths crossed again because you were an expert panelist at a separate mm -hmm. event where I was hosting the panel, and then I've interviewed you for TV um, at one of your other bases when I was working for Sky News, and now here we are on Health Hackers, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, take us back to what you were doing before you were running a femtech yep. company? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good question because I've never actually worked in tech or in business before LV and I didn't actually have a plan to do so necessarily. What it was is I was working in women's health, um, working, I suppose it's one of the main um, things that's similar is I was working in very taboo issues in sexual health. So I was working in access to HIV prevention, sex education, um, access to safe abortion. So very much sexual reproductive health services in poor countries. So I was very much working as a researcher, as a campaigner, and used to looking at how we can change the conversation on some of these issues. And there's a lot of parallels actually with what we're doing now with LV. So for example, with HIV prevention, when I started working in that area, it was a you know, we'd gone from a position where um, in the 80s there were pictures of people dying of AIDS and then somehow they were able to completely change the language into talking about HIV, uh, HIV and AIDS and having celebrities talk about these issues much more openly. And all of that was sort of my, my, my background and what I'd been doing. And so basically I thought myself quite an expert in sexual reproductive health, I'd written a couple of books, did my PhD. And then I became a mother. So for any of the women out there who've also gone through that process, you'll know just how much change your body goes through. And even though I thought of myself as quite uh, well, well hearsed in a lot of these areas, going through that pregnancy and postnatal period, suddenly realizing there's so much change we go through that nobody talks about, just natural parts of being a woman. And uh, that's also when I learned about my pelvic floor. <laughs> so tell us how the pelvic floor works in our bodies, yeah. why it's such a big deal mm -hmm. in our 
into yeah. the area. Well, I don't know, do you remember, Gemma, when you learned about the pelvic floor? Or? Well, I don't think I really did learn about it. Yeah, we, I mean, I think for me, it was like watching Sex and City and Carrie talking about Kegel exercises. It was always something, either something strange to do with sex or something like you go to the loo and you need to, can you hold yourself while you're trying to pee? Um, and then as while I was pregnant, I went to Pilates class and my Pilates instructor said to me, Tanya, the most important thing you can do as a woman to look after your body is look after your pelvic floor. And I was like, yeah, but what is this? Uh, so I went back and, and I mentioned it to my husband and he's French. And he just said, but of course, all women have to look after their pelvic floor. Do women in England not do that? Just at this point, I was beginning to think, why do I not even know what this is? And I started just researching it. And you know, as I am a scientist, I was just completely shocked. So yeah, in answer to your question, the pelvic floor 101, it's a postural muscle. So it's part of your core muscles, uh, which is linked to your posture. Uh, it, it's connected to your transverse abdominis, so your lower abdominal muscles and your lower back muscles. So together in harmony, they're involved in, in obviously in, in holding posture, but also in another, um, other body functions such as sexual function, um, bladder control and, and childbirth. But basically it's a hammock of muscles, so it's, it sort of sits between your legs. And it's like any other part of your, mus your, any other part of your body. It contracts and, uh, and relaxes, and you need to know how to exercise it properly. The problem is most women don't think about it until they start having uh, issues, and the main issue being that it becomes quite weak. So it can be everyday activities, playing tennis, uh, going running, will, have, will wreak havoc on your pelvic floor. So, so how will you know if you have a weak pelvic floor? Yeah. Well, there's a range of symptoms. So the main ones would be often lower back pain. So 50% of women with lower back pain is actually because of a problem with pelvic floor. Uh, problems during sex, loss of uh, uh, sensation during sex. But the most common one is stress urinary incontinence, which basically is accidental leakage. So often when you hear women say things like, oh, I can't jump on that trampoline, or I wet myself laughing, or you know, I ran for the bus and peed myself, that's when you're losing, kind of beginning to lose bladder control slightly. Um, and then it kind of, the, the, the health problems can actually get worse over time. So, you know, something I'd never even heard about, I don't know if you know much about, is, is prolapse. And no. I never even heard, you know, women just don't talk about it. But um, what you can imagine is over, over the years, as women get older and as they get through menopause, the pelvic floor is, is um, getting weaker and weaker. And it gets to a point where it can't actually sustain the pelvic organs and they start to descend uh, through the vagina. So half of all women get prolapse and one half in ten. Half of all women? Half of all women will get prolapse at some point post-menopause. 80% of new mothers have prolapse of some form and it's not even to do with whether or not you have um, vaginal childbirth or a caesarean, it's just the weight of the baby is causing and a lot of problems. And 80% of new mums? Yes, but it'll fix itself because it's basically the pelvic floor is so weak it just can't hold, hold things up and then as it strengthens, which normally takes about six to nine months postnatal, it'll start uh, rehabilitating. So it's all about core rehabilitation but because women aren't aware of this they're not even thinking about it they're not exercising and also this key period postnatal women are so busy they're, they're exhausted they're looking after their baby so they often don't think about themselves um, yeah and then one in ten women need to have an operation so I don't know if you've heard about the mesh scandal it's yes. a really barbaric surgery where women need to basically you have a metal mesh put inside your vagina to hold things up um, and it, it's similar to other issues in women's health. I mean, yeah, I can see your face. I was also shocked, like shocked and angry that so many women are going through this, these issues. And what's even more crazy is that when I started reading through the clinical evidence, there's really strong, strong evidence, you know, under the NICE guidelines in the UK government, it has an A rating, which means, you know, the strongest level of um, 
evidence-based research uh, showing that simple exercise can prevent and treat most pelvic floor problems. So for me, that's when I was just like, from a pu public health point of view, like why are women not exercising? And that was the kind of whole origin of when I started looking at this, this issue. Um, but, but swinging back to what I was talking about HIV earlier, this is when I realized, this is the kind of the aha moment, which was like, not only is it women don't have any technology, they have nothing to help them. They're lacking tools, they're lacking the means to talk about these issues, they're lacking education. And actually what we need to do is, it, we're never gonna get anywhere if we're talking about issues like bladder incontinence and prolapse. And it's similar to HIV and AIDS. And if we could somehow switch it in all of our thinking into something much more normal, you know, ultimately it's, it's just part of being a woman, it's how we need to look after our bodies. Um, so that was kind of the way we innovated, was with a piece of technology to help women do their pelvic floor exercise, make it fun, and, and just the way we launched it. So the way you and I met in Barcor. So Nikki Rain, who founded Barcor, she's been an amazing advocate. Thank you, Nikki, if you're listening. Uh, she literally, we, we did the launch at Barcor. And it was all about just getting it out there and saying, you know, pelvic floor exercise is, is an integral part of how all women need to exercise and look after their bodies. And it helped move it from that kind of medical yucky issue to lifestyle and prevention wellness. And let's talk about the actual device. So yeah. anyone who's not familiar with the LV trainer, got one here. Um, I'm just trying to imagine what was it like when you began pitching for investment for this and you had what I assume was a male dominated tech sector <coughs> and you've got a device that is inserted in a vagina. Yeah. yeah. I mean, was that, was that tricky to kind of yeah, I mean, explain look. how it worked? People thought we were crazy. Yes, I mean, yeah, in the tech sector, uh, there's kind of a lot of um, skepticism around investing in hardware products. It's much harder than digital-only products. And then the fact that this was a taboo issue that nobody talked about and that it goes uh, inside the vagina was just kind of, yeah, a lot of people just thought we were, um, didn't know what we were doing and it was very either very niche or very weird. But it's funny how quite quickly we're able to, to change that around. So if you're watching on the YouTube video right now, if you're not, go to healthhackers.uk or YouTube Health Hackers and check this out. So I'm holding it up. It sits inside the vagina like a tampon. Yeah, this bit goes inside and the tail goes outside and talks to your phone. Um, maybe we can share some screenshots of, of the games. You should be looking at screenshots right now. Ah, great, great. I will um, edit them in after this. Yeah, so basically the, 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 the simple idea is that um, Women don't have the confidence on how to exercise. They don't know if they're pushing down or lifting up. So it's, there's a question about technique and confidence and skill. That's in strengthening the pelvic floor. Yes, and how to do the exercises. Yeah, when well, we ask women, like, why are you not exercising? You know you're supposed to exercise. I said, well, I don't know if I'm doing it right. That was yeah. the main barrier. And the second one was like, it's boring. And third was, I never know if I'm improving. So for us, it was almost like starting with a blank sheet of paper and saying, well, look, if these are the problems women are facing how do we help solve them? And then the other key issues were just more about context, like I never have the time, mm. I'm too busy, that kind of thing. So then we came up, we reimagined it, we thought, well, what if you could have a product which could tell you if you're exercising correctly, could set you fun, personalized workouts so that you can constantly see yourself improving against your own scores. You know, take more of an exercise approach, because ultimately mm. it's like any other exercise. You know, imagine if you were training for a marathon, you never knew how fast you were running or how much you'd improved, you'd, you'd give up. And then the last bit was like, how do we make this so easy to use? You know, how do we make 
make it uh, really comfortable, so you know, soft and easy to insert, different sizing so it fits all women, but also most importantly, so you're not having to lie on a bed in a hospital like you do with the, the traditional technology, but you can be walking around and, and getting on with everyday activities. Because you're playing games on your phone, so you're like yes. strengthening or you're trying to tense your pelvic floor so that you hold the LV trainer in place as you play these yep. games. Yeah. So then going back to the early days mm -hmm. when you're pitching to this male-dominated tech sector, yeah. I mean, what kind of a reaction was it? I mean, were you kind of, did you feel like, oh, what am I yeah. doing? They're not taking it seriously. Or, or, or were people surprisingly yeah. receptive? I think, look, any entrepreneur out there, the, one of the key things is you have to just be so, so determined and so passionate about what you're doing and just not take no for an answer. You know, I, I suppose I was just pig-headedly completely determined to get this product out because I knew that it would help women. Um, and most investors, including most male investors, didn't understand it. And I honestly just didn't care. I just decided that they just didn't get it and I just wasn't going to focus on them. You know, in the tech startup world, I could quite easily spend a lot of my time at tech conferences talking to a mostly young male audience, but they're not the people I needed to talk to. So all I did was I kept my, my head down and us in the team, we just laser focused on getting out a product that we knew would really work and then just focusing on the women themselves and just thinking if we get this product out, the rest would follow. And that is kind of what happened because I think women had been waiting so long for something. Um, you know, it's a binary issue. Some women don't want to talk about the pelvic floor. They don't want to insert something into an intimate part of their body and that's fine. But most women we found were like just waiting for this kind of thing. So it just, as soon as we got it out there, just organically, it just grew, like it just went crazy. We kind of developed this cult following really quickly. Women were taking social, talking about it in a much more open, positive way. Um, and then once we'd sort of proved ourselves on that side, then it was easier to raise the money. And actually last time we mm -hmm. met, you hadn't yet launched the breast pump. Yeah. Was there anything you did differently with that device coming yep. off the back of lessons you'd learned with LV? Mm -hmm. what, would, what would they yeah. do? Well, yeah, and so also in terms of how we then got to the breast pump, so we'd launched this pelvic floor trainer, we'd proved everybody wrong, um, and I suppose it had been very much a passion project for me, like this is an issue that I just want to work on. But once I started working in women's health tech, I realised actually it's a much bigger space and you take any technology product for women and you'll you know you look at it closely you realize it's not had the attention products for men have had because it's often an assumption why is that i think there's an assumption that women just don't really care about tech that they're not early adopters of tech so uh historically you know if you're trying to adapt a piece of tech for women it'll be on the aesthetic level let's make it pink let's turn it into a piece of jewelry and uh, not a sense that, that women will appreciate cutting edge uh, technology. And also because women's issues are taboo and neglected and therefore not talked about, and because tech companies are mostly led by men, they're not necessarily gonna be the first to recognize that there's problems that could be solved through tech. Do you think men's health tech is better than women's health tech, or do you think there's just more of it? There's more tech generally for the male consumer, but specifically for men's health, no, actually there's not much either because I'd say when it comes to our intimate sexual health and reproductive health, we men and women both struggle to talk about it and, and actually men might even struggle more than women. What do you think needs to change for better femtech, mm -hmm. women's technology, specifically around health, to exist? Yeah. Well, we need, and it's happening, we need change things need to come together. Like I'd say right now is a really special moment for femtech because you have these 
big mega trends colliding. So one of them is the huge feminist movement that we're going through right now with Me Too. That's allowing this sort of untabooing of womanhood. You know, women are taking to social and, and saying, I'm not going to be embarrassed to talk about getting my period or menstruation or what my body looks like postpartum or that I'm going through menopause. These are not things that we should be hiding from society. So I think it's beginning to change and particularly for the, the younger generation. And then obviously we're seeing a huge tech revolution where you know, connected devices like LV Trainer allow us to have data about our own bodies in, in a completely new way. Uh, you know, our product, LV Trainer, allows women to understand a very intimate part of their bodies that they didn't know or know how to understand earlier. So it can change the way we think about our bodies. Do you get really touched by the feedback you have from women yeah. once they've been using it for a while? It's been incredible. I mean, it's amazing. We have women of all ages using it. You know, younger women might be using it more for uh, general muscle strengthening or sex reasons, which is great. So they're getting enhancement uh, out of that, that product, at the same time health benefits. But actually, it's particularly the old women who've often had problems for 20, 30 years. And they're sort of emailing us saying that they never thought that they would be able to go to work without having to stop to go to the toilet on the way and, and just how, how life-changing it has been. So then the breast oh, up. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what did you do differently with that that you yeah. learned from with LV? Yeah, so after we launched the trainer, um, I realized the biggest space was tech. And actually when it comes to, if you think about what epitomizes the worst of technology for women, I would say it's the breast pump. So for any of you out there who've used a breast pump before, uh, it's often painful, difficult to use, cumbersome, noisy, you feel like you're tethered to a wall. Uh, so again, similar to what we did with the first product, we completely redesigned what it would mean to, to do pumping. So there's a bottle, you know, it has all the same pieces as a normal breast pump, but the key thing is that you actually place the whole product on your nipple and you can actually put your bra over the top and it's silent and it's it's far more miniaturized than a normal breast pump. So you so can be expressing and no one even knows. You're just Completely different experience, yeah. So women are, again, they've gone evangelical about this product. We have women on social sharing about how they're pumping and getting on I've doing their, their things. I've seen it on Instagram. It's brilliant. I've heard rave reviews about it. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, check out the YouTube video and you should be seeing some slides as well that are, are going up now that I've edited in afterwards. Um, there was something I noticed on the LV website, Tanya, that said, we don't do controversy for controversy's sake. Is that something that you have been accused of at some point? I think, well, actually recently somebody said, because we've done, as I said, when you are innovating and you're launching a new product category, you have to not just launch a new tech into society, you have to deliberately change the conversation around those issues. So for us, completely changing what people think about pelvic floor and completely changing what people's perceptions are around breast, breast pumping and trying to break the taboo, like even with breast pumping, even though it's more mainstream than pelvic floor education, there still is taboo around that. Women feel embarrassed to be breastfeeding in public or pumping in public. So what we do is sort of public awareness campaigns around that as well. So recently we launched four huge inflatable breasts across the skylines in London. So different colors, different shapes, kind of celebrating women's bodies, but also saying free the feed. You know, women should not feel stigmatized to be breastfeeding or breast pumping uh, in public. So. No, we, we think it's important to push boundaries. It's one of our core values. We need to start changing the way uh, people talk about these issues. But we're not doing it just from a marketing perspective. It is literally to, to, towards our mission, which is all around improving women's lives for health and technology. Now that you are 
recognized mm -hmm. as a leading health expert, women's health expert. If you could reach every woman in the world, if they were all listening to health hackers right now, what kind of message would you have for them around making it less awkward to talk about boobs and vaginas? Well, basically that it's great to be a woman, that, that everything we go through and everything that we experience is normal. You know, it's normal to have a period and fertility problems or problems with either conceiving or not conceiving, pregnancy, postnatal, menopause, all the things we go through, all the hormonal changes, physical changes. That we need to, I think we live in such a PC world that we sometimes forget that men and women are very different. So I think the first step is we need to be more open about them, be able to share and talk about these issues. Do you think it will ever be acceptable to talk about periods in a just general conversation with someone you've just met? In the, in Absolutely. The, in the way that we talk about the weather. <laughs> so like imagine if you kind of, yeah. I don't know, turned up late to a, a networking meeting. Yeah and said, oh, sorry, I was like, oh, I've got my period. <laughs> anyway, I mean, will that, will that ever be acceptable? Definitely. I think, you know, we already have period tracking apps um, such as Clue or Natural Cycles, and they allow, you know, women to understand their own periods and, and cycles better, yeah. but often they share them with their partners. Here at LV, we are two-thirds women, and definitely there's a lot of uh, open talk about women's health. And. You touched on here at LV. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you for some entrepreneurial advice for people watching who might have a femtech device idea? Mm -hmm. They might be wanting to get it to market, they, or they might just have the concept. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for them right now, specifically yeah. within the women's health area? I mean, I think it's a huge open space. Like we are just focusing on a really small part of it. And as I said, I think the whole area has been neglected for so long, and it is a women's health are taboo issues, but issues that are neglected basically means opportunity. So there's a lot of opportunity out there still, I would say, particularly around menstruation, fertility and menopause. In terms of specific advice, the key thing with designing any product is it needs to solve a real problem. So just spend a lot of time with your potential users and it's important to divorce yourself from that, your own personal experience, from the, the experience of your users. Do a lot of research, find out what problem you want to solve, make sure that you're coming up with a solution that really has a clear advantage over some of the other solutions out there. So then once you've got an idea of what the product is, you know, the main focus needs to be the product, but obviously you need to start also raising money, building the company out there. And I think the key thing there is to be out networking, meeting people, getting advice from people who've done it before. Uh, and it really requires, as I said, a lot of determination, I'd say, and self-belief because you will have a lot of people who, who will say it's not going to work, but you need to just keep going, really. And what's the best bit of advice you've been given as a CEO? Mm -hmm. I would say, well, Debbie Wasco from Albright gave me the advice, skin like a rhino. You just have to, you know, if you're the kind of person, you will get rejected, and if you take that personally, then you'll never get anywhere. You have to just either ignore it if you think it's, it's not coming from a good place, or take it on the chin, listen to what the advice is, make your product stronger and, and keep evolving. Was there any particular criticism that you've had with Elvie that you had to really draw on that advice with? Uh, well, I think for the first product, for LV Trainer, you know, it's traditionally a very, it's either a very medical device that you'd buy in a hospital or a doctor would prescribe, or it's kind of on the sex side, sold more in sex, sex shops. So I think a lot of people thought we were crazy because we were trying to just pitch it as something completely new and it's you know very high risk to be innovating with a product and even the way you sell and distribute that product 
So people would say to us things like, you know, you'll never get a celebrity to talk about this. You'll never get a major retailer to, to put this product on their shelves. And yet we launched on Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow, sold out really quickly. We're on the NHS and John Lewis, we're very much centre stage. Are you on the NHS now? Yes. So yeah. can people go to their GP and say, can yeah, yeah. you prescribe me an LV trainer? Yeah, so what we're trying to do with health tech is like, again, take it out that medical space, but you still need technology that's as good as what you can get in the hospital. So our product is, gives better biofeedback than what you get in the hospital. So the GP wouldn't necessarily be able to prescribe LV trainer, but if they refer you on to specialists, so women's health, a physiotherapist or a gynecologist, they can prescribe LV trainer for free. Wow, that's really interesting. For people living in the UK, other countries overseas, they can buy Not one. for the first product, but with breast pump. So for breast pump, you know, really our main market is the US because their women are going back to work uh, so early. So they, you know, those who want to choose to give breast milk to their babies, um, they can actually get subsidy on the health insurance plan. So LV Pump is available on health insurance in the US. Was that really difficult to arrange that, especially the, the entry to the NHS market? I mean, I imagine yeah. that would be yeah. a lengthy process of getting yeah. something approved for NHS use. It's fine. I mean, obviously, the NHS is, is a huge uh, system. But in fact, it happened much faster than we expected. And I think, again, it's because we produced a product which was so much Super, so superior to what existed in the hospitals. You know, we'd go and visit doctors in the early days and we'd show them the product, which, you know, it looked so pretty and we didn't know how they would respond, but they were just so excited. And so we ended up creating a, a network of a thousand health professionals who all loved and promoted LV Trainer. And they were the ones who were our advocates within the NHS. Superb. Now, Tanya, if people want to hear more about LV or about you, what are your social handles or mm -hmm. website address so they can... Hashtag LV or LV.com. Hashtag LV, LV.com. Are you on social media yourself? Yeah, Tanya Bola. Tanya.bola. Oh, I, I saw the LV one. I've been following the LV one for some time. And tell us, or can you tell us, <laughs> what might be coming next in the LV line of women's health tech products? Uh, I can't share too much, but we have just raised um, about $40 million, which will allow us to really scale up. So, you know, over the last five years, we've produced two completely category redefining products. What we want to do now is start working R&D in parallel so we can launch more products uh, every six months or so. So something will be coming out uh, early next year. Early next year, okay, so early 2020. And will it be for women? Yes, absolutely. Our, our mission is to create extraordinary products that improve women's lives. And will it be for an intimate area? All our products are quite intimate for now. <laughs> I could just sit here and guess. I know, it's like 20 questions, isn't I don't it, Gemma? Think she's tell me anymore. Um, brilliant. Well, check out uh, the LV website and also if you're listening to the podcast, look at the YouTube channel version because um, I've put up some pictures of what the devices look like. And Tanya, thank you for having me. Thank you, Gemma. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye.